0: Guys, This is Andrew Frezza and welcome to the care coach lead show today I am actually here solo which I feel like it's been a while since I've done a solo episode and my goal is to do a lot more of These short quick episodes with just me on here So if you enjoy this short format Send me an email at andrew at and let me know that you want to see more of this type of format but today I want to talk about why we shouldn't treat our gyms like a tech startup and this conversation this topic came from a conversation that I had with a gym owner that I coach and mentor a few weeks back. And basically his question was centered around, he's got this this money that he wants to invest in marketing. And he's asking, should I front load this budget to spend on marketing and try to fill our gym in the next month or two, or should I spread that budget over time and try to grow the gym a little bit more slow and a little bit more sustainably in that sense? And my quick answer to him was, I'd like for him to do it more of that slow, steady approach, figure out his marketing budget over a course of a year, how much does he want to spend on marketing in total to kind of begin with the end in mind, and then to allocate that budget on a monthly basis and try to do as much as he can with that monthly budget each time he's allocating money towards marketing. So one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up and, and share my perspective on this is really how our physical gyms, if we own a brick and mortar location, how it's different than maybe a traditional tech startup that we might look up to and try to learn business from, that a lot of those tech startups will lose money in their first several years. So an example of that is one that most of us know, Amazon. Amazon was founded in 1994, it went public in 1997, but it didn't actually have its first profitable quarter, its first profitable three month period until 2001. So seven years after being founded. And that's not a overall profit, that was just a three month period profit. So it was several years after that before they were uh, overall profitable as a company from their first day opening in 1994. Another example of that is Netflix. So Netflix was founded in 1997 and it didn't have its first profit until 2003 almost six years later for them. And the reason tech startups treat their businesses that way is because their businesses benefit from massive scale. The more people they get in their company, the better. And I know a lot of gym owners are out there well, saying, well, of course, I want more people in my gym. Like I would benefit from more gym members, but we'll get to that in a second because we don't have the same potential for scale that a lot of tech startups have. And what separates them is that their business has a potential market size, uh, a total addressable market is usually the terminology that's used, that is massive. It's not limited to a local area. It's not limited to a small subset of people. You know, in Amazon's case, as they've grown, it's almost become a worldwide market. Um, you can, you know, anywhere, almost anywhere in the United States, you could order a package from Amazon and have it at your house in the next 24 to 48 hours, Uh, Netflix as another example, you know, theirs is even better business model. They're a software business model where if they were to create a TV series, they, they create a series, the queen's gambit, they create that once. And then it really doesn't cost them much more, if at all, to broad that broadcast that out to the entire world. So those business models have a massive total addressable market and that business costs about the same to run, whether they have 10 customers, 100 customers, 1,000 customers, or 10,000 customers, you know, or 10 million customers, right? Now, obviously, there are some things where their operating costs are gonna go up over time, but you're gonna find with those larger tech startups that they're, the amount that their revenues would go up in relation to how much their expenses would have to go up to cover that amount of revenue is that gap continues to widen as their business grows. When they're serving 10 customers, it's a lot bigger portion of their business. They're usually in the red, they're usually in the negative. And when they're serving a million or 10 million customers, there's a massive gap, a massive profit there. Um, And then finally, there's no real cap on their potential. So it's not, again, limited to physical space or a local region, which is two of the elements that we're typically dealing with in our gyms. So when we when we look at our gyms and we try to apply that same line of thinking, we can look at, okay, our gyms are pretty much limited to a three, a five, a 10-mile radius, depending on whether you're in a big city. You know, it might even be a half-mile radius that people are willing to walk to come to your gym or ride a subway to come to your gym. Whereas if you're in a, a small town that's a little bit more spread out, maybe people are willing to travel 10 or 15 miles to your gym. But realistically, most people are gonna need a certain level of convenience and they're gonna need to be able to get to your gym typically in about 15 minutes or less for it to be realistic for them. Um, And then every client that we add adds a lot more cost to the gym. And we may not feel it with each individual client. We might not be able to put our fingers on it and say, oh yeah, I added that client, it's so much additional cost. Now, if you're running a PT first model or you're a PT studio, then it's pretty obvious where that's additional cost. if I sell a thousand dollar package and we pay fifty percent out to our trainers, well a thousand came in, but five hundred went out quickly and then you have credit card processing fees and you have all these little fees that go into it um, insurance the space you could factor in all those fees as part of the cost of operations and you can see how yeah, I might have billed a thousand, but I didn't get a thousand into my pocket on the back end so it's, it's really important for us to realize that there's a variable cost to each new client and i want to quickly run through what those five variable costs are maybe this isn't a comprehensive list but it's just five variable costs that we can think about as going up with each client number one is there's going to be more cleaning okay just adding one client Unless they're a really messy client which we've all had some of those really messy clients but one client isn't necessarily going to make this massive mess but if you go from a 50 client gym to a 75 or 100 client gym you're likely going to have to increase your cleaning you're going to be bulldogging the floors more you're going to be cleaning the bathrooms more you're going to be sanitizing a lot more and you're going to see your cleaning costs go up um, typically in the form of a front desk staff or some kind of cleaning or administrative person there's gonna be more class times that you're likely gonna offer. So at some point, if you reach capacity in your classes and you have to offer another class time, that's one of the most expensive costs that we have because our employees are a big in expense and it costs money to pay a coach to run that additional class time. Having more coaches on staff to then be able to deliver those classes or deliver those personal training sessions that you're selling. And obviously if you have revenue coming in, it sounds like a good thing to be able to pay for more coaches, but we do have to factor that in as a cost. And if you, have, if you have some of these baseline things built into your salaries for coaches, there is a cost to adding an additional coach that may not be the same had you just added that role to a current coach. And what I mean by that is if you have, if you have a coach who's coaching 10 classes a week and they're full-time, they're salaried, or you've created their roles similar to we do where we create their classes into a salaried role. If you had five classes to that person's schedule, you're just adding the cost of those five classes. But if I add a new coach to cover those new five classes, now I might have some payroll costs, I have some hiring and training costs for that person to get them up to speed. I have uh, maybe some vacation hours now that I've allotted to them. It's another person that I have to pay to attend our weekly coaches meetings and all those little costs can add up. And even though you might still be running the same 50 classes in a week, if you have six coaches executing those 50 classes versus 12 coaches, there will probably be an incremental cost to having those six extra coaches on staff, even though you're operating the same amount of classes. Then there's a square footage component at some point we're going to reach a limit where we can't fit any more people into our gym. And there's very creative ways to maximize your square footage. This is not the podcast to talk about that operational capacity, but you're often going to see gym owners buy that next location, expand into another warehouse Bay because they think they need more space. And that's typically because they've added more members. They've grown their gym. They've added more members and they feel that they need more space. Um, and then finally, equipment and maintenance is another thing. Your equipment's gonna break down faster. Your bumper plates are gonna get worn. Your barbells are gonna need maintenance. Your uh, rowing and bikers and skiers, if you have them, they're gonna need maintenance and little adjustments. And that's gonna happen more as you add more people to your membership, and, and each incremental person will add a small incremental cost as it relates to maintenance. So. To kind of circle back to this idea of, should we push to fill our gyms? Should we spend a lot on marketing to fill our gyms in the short term? We also have to think about a few other factors. Number one is this idea of unused capacity. So if we're currently operating our classes very inefficiently, meaning, let's say we offer five classes in a day and three to four of those classes are operating with a higher capacity. Like for us, let's say if we have a 15 person class cap, we're getting consistently 10 to 14 people in every single class at three of those class times. But one or two of those classes are on the lower side. I think you have two options. I think you can cancel those classes or you can use a marketing approach to try to fill that capacity. And where you have unused capacity is where you should push from a marketing standpoint to fill that unused capacity, because basically those are the areas of your business where the incremental cost to deliver the service to that additional member won't cost you very much. you already have so much in place operations wise, and the incremental cost of adding that other member won't cost that much. Now what's difficult about the business that we're in is that it's very hard to get people to just be spread evenly across all of your class times. If you have whatever number of classes you have across your day, your week, there's a very good chance that you have certain class times that fill up very consistently and you have certain class times that are medium and ones that are a lot slower. So if you have the ability to fill those slower times, you think those times are potentially slow enough where you could cancel them altogether, those are considerations and those are considerations where you might want to design your marketing approach around that. Um, And then the final consideration in there is what will the quality of your service look like if you were to add a lot of people at once. And for some business models, it actually works better. If you're in a business model where it really benefits from a high-energy class experience, I could see that this happening at an orange theory where So much of it, that experience isn't about the technical coaching you're getting. It's not necessarily about the programming. So much of it is automated, right? We have, they have the heart rate trackers. They have the three different sections of the room. It's a very streamlined service. So really, if they get more people in the building, it's going to only add to the environment, it's going to add more energy add more camaraderie, add more accountability to that experience. I I make the argument for our classes sometimes, even our more technical FTX, our CrossFit style classes, there's a lot of class times where people just prefer a higher energy experience versus more of that individualized or one-on-one experience. So if your experience is something that benefits from more people, great, let's add more people in the mix, let's push for more marketing. But if you have a service that benefits in a way from less or uh, more hand-holding or slower growth, like a PT first model where you have new members sign up and they have to go through personal training first, they have to be onboarded, maybe it's a group onboarding session. If it's difficult for them to get the same level of experience, if you sign 30 people up this month versus if you signed three people up this month, then that's another huge consideration there. Um, So I hope that's helpful. I just want to kind of expand your way of thinking and give you some different angles of how you can think about this and attack this, Uh, but basically the conclusion that it comes down to for most people is commit to marketing as a consistent part of your gym. Think about where you want your gym to be in the next 8 to 12 months from a capacity standpoint, from a revenue standpoint, and design your marketing in a way, your marketing budget, in a way that would work once you're at that level. What's the amount of money that you're going to dedicate to marketing once you hit your member goal? And start spending that money today and start creating a, a consistent marketing system, whether that be posting regularly to social media, email marketing, content, blogs and podcasts, whatever it may be, commit to that on a consistent basis. So hopefully you guys found this helpful and uh, look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. So hopefully you guys found this helpful and I look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. Hey guys, it's Andrew again. I wanna take a quick second here to tell you about our upcoming Rockstar Coaching Intensive and share with you what we believe makes a great coach. Great coaching isn't about how many certifications you have next to your name, it's not who can create the most soul-crushing workouts and it's not about using the most fancy terminology to impress your other coaches. Great coaches excel in three key areas. They care, they coach, and they lead. Caring means investing in every client like it's your only client. And it means preparing for every training session like it's your last. Coaching means getting your clients to move safer and a little bit better each day, regardless of whether that client is brand new to fitness or whether they've been doing it for years. It means making sure that every client understands why they are doing what's being asked of them and catering that stimulus to the needs and goals of every single person. And to lead means to show up, dress, and carry yourself like a professional each day, inside the gym and in your personal life. It means living with a growth mindset and striving to be a little bit better each day. So if you're a coach or an aspiring coach out there that is looking to make a career out of transforming people's lives, then head over to care-coach-lead.com slash rockstar to learn how you guys can join the next Rockstar Coaching Intensive. Again, that's care-coach-lead.com slash rockstar, and you can join in on the next group and work one-on-one with us directly.